What has it been? Eight months since Metro Manila was first placed under lockdown? How you doing? You doing all right? We hope you're okay, wherever you are. Now here's the usual introduction. Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories and tell a few of our own. In this episode, Business World reporter Janina Ibanez speaks with Nikki Vergara, co-founder and chief well-being officer of Positive Workplaces. They talk about how the pandemic is affecting our mental health and what we can do, either as individuals or institutions, to get through this together. Because you have been working with several companies before and during the lockdown. Could you tell me about what are the concerns of these companies and the workforce in terms of mental health? To begin with, I want to frame what we mean when we say mental health. Because usually when we talk about mental health, the first thing that comes to people's minds is mental illness. But really the conversation about mental health is more than that. There's a study by Corey Keyes, and he said that mental health and mental illness exists on two separate dimensions. So on one hand, there's the presence and the absence of mental illness. And then on the other hand, there's a presence and absence of mental health. And this is very important because it's important to say that the absence of mental illness does not necessarily translate into mental health. And in fact, you could be diagnosed with a mental illness and still be able to flourish and thrive and have mental health in your life. When it comes to concerns, it's not just about what mental illnesses are arriving to Filipinos, but also talking about what is happening to their mental health. So when it comes to talking about mental illness, I just want to first say that if people are experiencing that they are unable to function or that they're so uncomfortable because of the state that they're in, that it's really important to get psychological help. So that's reaching out to psychologists and psychiatrists who can help. But beyond that, there's so much more that organizations can do to help with the mental health of the workforce. So I would like to talk about resilience because resilience is actually a ratio. It means that the protective factors are greater than the risk factors. So some trends when we look at that, our protective factors have decreased. Like Especially among Filipinos, one of our biggest protective factors is that we're very social and having these strong social ties with each other is something that really helps us cope through the most difficult parts of life and our biggest struggles. So in the past, we were able to rely on hanging out with each other. But because of the pandemic and we're not allowed to be physically close to each other, that is a big protective factor that was lost because of this pandemic. And on the other side, there are risk factors that are increasing. Some things that never stressed us out before are stressing us out now. For instance, we're more concerned about our health. Just stepping outside of our homes makes us feel like our health is endangered. Another big stressor that we were able to see from a survey we conducted with over 300 Filipinos is that a lot of people are very stressed about the policies and the execution of 
plans towards handling the virus. So that was not a stressor for us before. But now when we look at the news or we look at how institutions are managing through the policies, a lot of Filipinos are stressed out because of that. So in a way, one big trend is that there are more stressors now and then our protective factors are reduced. So people are definitely more stressed out now. And when you're very stressed out, there is a tendency for you to be more anxious or people are feeling more symptoms of depression and people are not feeling as well as they used to feel. Essentially, the workplace has changed, right? Not only are we far from each other, we're also perhaps working different kinds of hours than we would if we were in an office. And we would also be looking at a screen more. Does that have an effect on the workforce? Oh, yes, definitely. I think the biggest complaint that we've been receiving from people is that they are unable to stop themselves from working because they are no longer leaving their office physically. Being able to shift your physical location is actually a cue for you to shift your mindset. So in the past, being at your desk in the office means it's time to work. And being at home means it's time to rest and it's time to focus on your personal life. Now that we're all doing everything from the same space, well, most of us at least are working from home and doing everything from the same space, we are more unable to detach from the task at hand. So if you started with work, it's harder for you to say, I'm going to stop work now because it's time to go home because you're just at home. And the work just keeps continuing. People are having a hard time with setting those boundaries. And when you're having a hard time setting those boundaries, you have less time to take care of yourself. Have they also mentioned things like Zoom fatigue or webinar fatigue? Has this been a concern as well? A lot of people have been talking about how they would really rather be with each other face-to-face than to see other people through a screen. And being with each other in a digital conference room actually keeps us from having those organic interactions. And our organic interactions are actually a big source of our well-being. So being able to turn to your seatmate and talk about something or being able to crack a joke is now being suppressed because now everyone has to keep themselves on mute so that the conference will be easier to manage by the ones organizing the meeting. Given that... What do you think that employees could personally work on? I think one big thing that employees can work on is to see what kind of work-life balance works for them. There was a study by Google that said that there are people who are integrators or they love to integrate work throughout the rest of their day. So they are not the types of people who want to unplug at 5 p.m. and then go to work only at 9 a.m. They think about work all throughout their day at different parts And there are segmenters. Segmenters, on the other hand, love to have that strict, rigid schedule. They want to be at work, for instance, from 9 to 5. And they don't want to be looking at their work at all or thinking about it outside of those hours. So I think if you're somebody in the workforce and you're struggling with work-life balance, you have to think, which do you relate to more? Are you the type of person that wants to be able to unplug after work hours? Or are you the type of person who wants to be thinking about work at various parts of the day. So for segmenters, what would work for them is communicating with their workplace that they don't want to be working outside specific hours or it's not 
good for their productivity to do so. Whereas integrators, one thing that they can think about is how can they incorporate rest or what are the moments of the day where they can rest and think about how they're going to take care of their well-being and replenish so that they can start work again. So now that employees are thinking of that, organizations, I would assume, would also have to adapt to these changes, especially as employees might start mentioning to them, oh, this is what I need to be able to work better. And these are organizations that have been saying that they appreciate that they get to work more efficiently now that they're online as opposed to before. So how do organizations help their employees to sort of retain their well-being? I think one big thing that can be done about well-being on the institutional level is to measure well-being of the workers. This was something that not a lot of people thought about before, but now that a lot of stressors are coming about, a lot of people are complaining about their well-being, and a lot of people are talking about the importance of mental health, it's now something that institutions have to be very intentional about. So if you want to develop relevant strategies towards developing the mental health and well-being of the workforce, then you have to be very aware of what the issues are. So it starts with having a baseline measurement in well-being. We actually measured the well-being of a particular group of workers in February before the lockdown started and three months after amidst the pandemic. And we found in this particular organization that there was a significant decrease in being told that they were doing a good job in the office. The reason that I mentioned the importance of organizations measuring the well-being of their workers is that there's no silver bullet solution for everyone. There is not one well-being intervention that will work well for all. You really have to look at the context and what's working well in your organization and what has changed in the pandemic. So because we were able to measure the well-being of a particular group of workers, we were able to zone in on what they actually needed for their well-being and their mental health to stay solid and afloat despite the challenges of the pandemic. How have you changed your suggestion or your own strategies depending on different industries or maybe even different sizes of companies? For this particular organization, because we were actually able to measure it, the item that showed a significant difference is the item with a statement, people at work tell me I am good at what I do. And we imagine that this probably happened because when we were working face-to-face with each other, there were more opportunities for complimenting. Or complimenting did not need to become so intentional. You just naturally say it when you see someone do good things. You mention, hey, you did that really well. Congratulations. But when we moved into the remote work setup, that was one thing that people dropped in that particular workplace. They stopped complimenting each other. They stopped saying thank you for the work that was being done. And they just focused on just doing work. There was less interactions and feedback about each other's work. So when the managers became more cognizant of that, they actually became more intentional about the need to recognize people for the good work that they do. For instance, they institutionalized a program where at the end of every month, they would award people for the good work that they did or 
they would shout out in the emails some good things that people were achieving and accomplishing in the work. And they were praising those people publicly in those emails. So that was one thing that worked well for that organization because we were actually able to measure their well-being. In bigger organizations where people were often gathered in the office, if the HR pointed out that the relationships in this organization are suffering, then they asked us particularly for interventions about what can they do to still create high-quality relationships despite having the members of their workforce not seeing each other anymore. So that was where we tailored interventions about the importance of still connecting with each other, even if we're not seeing each other, having the need to talk about being more empathic with each other during this time because they're no longer sensing each other's emotion. A lot of these concerns are being felt worldwide. But I'm curious about what's happening in the Philippines. Is there something about our own culture that should be changed or maybe even something that works well for us in adapting to this pandemic? I think one thing to note about the Filipino culture is that workers are very engaged at work, despite the conditions being hard or, for instance, despite salaries being low. Workers are more inclined to work hard because they really want to hold on to their jobs, especially in the economy that we're dealing with right now. People do not want to let go of their jobs, and people are very hesitant about becoming vocal about what they need to sustain their mental health. So it's something that we Filipinos should be more mindful of, that if there's something not working for us, or if something about the work is endangering our mental health, we should actually vocalize it to people who would listen. That is, for instance, human resources or your manager. It's important to say what you need so that you can function more effectively at work. And in terms of the workplace culture, even the way the workplace is structured in the Philippines, would you say that it's actually more hierarchical? And would that have an effect on employees bringing up their concerns? Or even would it have an effect on their mental health? One thing to note about the Philippine macroculture is we're very hierarchical and we yield to authority figures. So sometimes if your manager or your boss says you have to do this, then we yield to what they say and we're hesitant to approach and give feedback about what we're feeling about the task. It's very important now for managers to be more mindful of getting feedback from their employees because in the past, being very dominant and authoritative may have worked, but in the instances now that everything is uncertain or circumstances are changing, it's important to have two-way feedback between the employees and also the bosses in the workforce. So while bosses can vocalize what they expect, they should also be listening to feedback from their employees if what their demands are are actually doable in this situation. We don't know exactly what's going to happen yet in terms of this pandemic, but this situation has created a conversation around mental health that I think is probably going to last for a long time. So what do you think organizations should do in the long term? I think in the long term, they should actually create a mental health plan for their workers. And that begins with measurement and 
having regular points of feedback from their employees, and then coordinating a design so that the mental health issues of the workforce will be addressed. It's really important that workplaces see that their workers not just as human resources, but as human beings first with human needs, and they should be taken care of and not just be seen as commodities. So it's really important that we create a more compassionate culture during this situation. And if we're able to do this now in the toughest of situations, we will be able to sustain it even after. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Nikki Vergara, co-founder and chief well-being officer of Positive Workplaces, speaking with Business World reporter Janina Ibanez. Take care of yourself and each other. This episode was recorded remotely on October 23. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay sane.